All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Kingdom 101 Relationships. It is Wednesday, the 9th of February, 2022. Let's make the most of this day. I am Pastor Lunzine Lee. This is the Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship Wednesday Night Bible Study. And we are continuing from the book Kingdom 101, as well as some other textbooks, everything that we can find out of our Holy Bible, written by Holy Spirit. We are going to have a very interesting conversation tonight. It is a conversation because I'm going to actually talk to you. It's also a teaching and there should be some very rich gleaning for you. So I am still continuing with the premise of relationships, but I actually don't even have those notes in front of me. Instead, we're going to come from scripture. I'm going to come from some portions of my book, Kingdom 101. And also we're continuing on with some different pages out of the book by Dr. Barry Cook entitled The Grace Factor. So all of that information always shows up on the screen and or on the comment section of the Facebook pages. So I know that you all are already able, those that own the books, you're able to follow along and the rest of you are listening, whichever way you do it, this is good. Let's have this dialogue. Let's engage in this. I know that it is not live. This is pre-recorded. However, you can still make your comments because Minister Frederick Johnson, as well as myself and others from the ministry, they do. we do go back to the Astounding Love page and we do see your comments and we do respond. And always you are invited to contact us through the Messenger app in Facebook. And we do get those notifications as well. So anything, prayer requests, comments, questions, it all comes to our attention. We do not ignore you. We want to talk to you. So let's go ahead and pray and let's listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And then I will try to remember to make my announcements before we end this tonight. Lord, I do. I praise you because you are wonderful to us and you are so good. You're the healer of broken hearts. You're the lover of our soul. You're the good God who gives good gifts, good father. Oh, the blood of Jesus. You've given us that. You give us your name. You give us your name above every name. And you give us songs to sing and you give us reasons to smile and to dance and to laugh. And even when we cry and we mourn, you're the healer. I know you as deliverer. I know you as healer. I know you as provider. I know you as king. I know you as Lord. I know you as friend. I know you as my rescuer. I know you as my valiant one. I know you as the wonderful Jesus. I know you as the powerful Holy Spirit. I know you as the gracious and loving father. And I, I've only touched the tip because there's so much more to you. And I know you as the primary relationship of my life. And tonight, as we delve into your word and as we listen to what the spirit of the Lord has to say, because I know, Holy Spirit, you have something that you want to speak to us. I pray for the listeners, the hearers, the men and the women that will hear what it is that you have to say, that will not turn it off suddenly because it's a topic that's too touchy for them, that will not scorn you or mock you or ignore you, but they'll be drawn by you because you draw us to you by your love. And I ask you, well, you're already going to do it, but I do say, yes, do this, Lord. Do do what it is and release in me the words that you want. Release through me then that which you want to say. And I do, I sit back and I yield and avail myself to you, Holy Spirit, 
Oh, the love, the love, the love of God for us. I'm so happy and honored and blessed to be a recipient of that. And so I praise you and I thank you tonight for what it is that you have to say. And I incline my ear to your wisdom and to hear you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, what we're going to do, we've been talking about the relationships and we've been talking about uh, friendships. And our focus for the past few weeks has been, first of all, to have that relationship with God yourself and also then to have to be in relationship uh, with yourself. So looking at that, what we're going to do tonight, we're going to get a little more sensitive. That's the way to say it. I'm going to go ahead and see if I can find some of my notes while I'm talking to you. So uh, forgive me for that. Um, but one of the things that we want to do is we, we want to recognize how important, and I've talked about this, 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 and I'm still talking about this, about how important it is to have this relationship with him and to be able to, um, how do you say this? To be able to connect with what the spirit of the Lord has to say. So I've found some of the questions that people have and I've found a couple of other things here too, but I don't think this is really what I want to use. But the part of the things that we were looking at, we looked at a study question a, a while back and talked about focusing prayer and to listen for learn to listen for the voice of his testimony, to read the word of God, and then to see and hear what it is that he has to say. And what we wrote here in these notes, every aspect of his being has a voice bearing record and giving testimony in heaven and earth to all that he speaks through his word. Scripture interprets scripture. So you look for scriptures that will abide. That means they will come alive to you and then they will stay in you. And we talked a little bit about personally journaling, because when you do some of that, then it, it also helps you to be able to move in the things, in the conversation with God that he wants to have with you. Now, this is important tonight because I'm going to touch on something that is very, very sensitive. And what that is, is I'm going to talk about it's the beginning of the male-female relationship kind of conversation. And my brother is in the background, so you're going to hear him doing all the sniffling and, and so forth and so on. And so I'm not alone. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the things about that, we know that the month of February, typically holidays for people that are single, unmarried people, or in, you know, I, um, they're not in a relationship that is thriving. These holidays that they call this, this is the part of their lives where they can say that they're lonely or they feel like uh, they're missing out on something if they're not joined with somebody and a whole lot of that. And it's typically right around Thanksgiving and it goes through Christmas. And then it, it, the biggest of them all, I guess, for some people is uh, February 14th, which is Valentine's day. And so that's what the world calls it. So I call it love day. And I know some Christians, they say, oh, no, we never celebrate that because, you know, we're already married and we don't do it. And other people are like, well, I like it and this and that. And wherever you fall in it, that's great. The day still exists. And don't try to obliterate it any more than you will let somebody obliterate Christmas. OK. All right. Having said that, let's keep going. So February 14th for a lot of people or the weekend of February 14th or the big date night can be something where they're desperate. And now uh, because retailers do what they do. They've come up with Palantines and Galantines to 
add to Valentine's. What is that about? Palentine's, I guess, is the boys' night out. Galentine's is all the ladies coming together. And Valentine's is for those that are with somebody that they can have three nights. <laughs> he gets two and she gets two. They can have the one with their boys. She can have the one with her girls and then they can have the one together. And so there's all of these creative things that are just, uh, they're nice at marketing, advertising and great ways to make money and make, you know, because you can sell a lot of stuff. So having said all that, it's it's like, whatever, I, I that's not even the focus uh, that I want to get to. But I want to bring that to this because of some things that happen in the body of Yeshua that are not acceptable. Now, I'm going to be on a couple of different programs talking about what I'm talking, going to introduce tonight, but I'm not going to get into it tonight the way I will when I'm in dialogue with some other people. But what we want to look at is how you, how you are stewarding your friendship with yourself. How do you steward your friendship, your relationship with the Holy Spirit and your relationship and prayerfully your friendship with yourself? And so you're looking at how do you treat yourself? Do you treat yourself with the indulgences of the world or do you go to the things of God? Do you do you go looking for the things that the that the spirit of the Lord is is giving to you for for your for your edification, for his satisfaction for his delight because of the things that he wants to do in your life. So that's a question that I'm posing right now, because you're going to have to look at that. Um, you're going to have to look at that on a real big, on a real big level. Okay. Let's look at the scripture. Let me see. I, I, okay. One more thing. I think what I want to do is I'm going to just hit it. I was hoping that I could, um, uh, give you this first see this is not even live and i still did the exact same things so um which is i have certain things ready and this is what i want to give you okay thank you holy spirit we are going yep that's it all right this is a meme that I made and it, it seems to say something I think is pretty good. It says, while it is pop, it is natural to look at relationships from an earthbound perspective in the kingdom of God, every relationship I have must be seen, nurtured and lived from the King's point of view. Now we've talked about that before. Every single one must be lived, see, must be seen, nurtured and lived from the King's point of view. Your relationship with yourself, your relationship with um, others, and even your relationship with the people of this world. We have to reach a place in our walk where we stop trying to run after things that are on the level of what the world has to offer. We're going to have to raise our standards. That's what I'm going to say. The king standard, the king of kings, Lord of lords, the father's standard for our lives is higher than the standard that is earthbound, earthly, sensual, and devilish, meaning, or even everything that is based upon how you feel your senses and all this kind of stuff. And the approach for Christian dating, Christian dating has been, oh, whether it's online dating or it's this or it's that, and, and I'm not interested in other people's views on it, nor am I going to give you my personal opinion. I'm going to just say, let's take a look at what the Lord is saying, because you see, the way of royalty 
doesn't have anything whatsoever to do with dating. It's called a courtship. And the choices are between the male and the female. Sometimes it's family, sometimes it's kingdoms when it's that political kind of thing in, in royalty uh, that we see in the earth. But when it comes to God, the king himself determines how he's going to marry off his own children. Now, I know there's this controversy just with me saying that because people think I just told you that you don't have the right to choose who you want. I didn't say that. What I said is that the king is the person that has, he's already established who you are, what we are. You look at the book of Genesis and the Bible tells you that the woman was taken from the man. And so, and some, they, some, I've heard some teachings where they say it's a cell, but I, I like the teaching that says it's a rib. It's something that was taken from him. She was called the womb man because she was taken from the man. It's the only time that you can catalog a man giving birth to anybody or, or anything like that coming forth. But, and that's a joke people. All right. Um, so having said that, there is a there is a kingdom match, I think, because I think it has to do with putting the two pieces back together. So uh, but how does that happen? Because was it a physical thing? There was a physical thing. But you see, this is all spirit. This is a spirit thing that that the 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 spirit of Isha, which is the way that it's pronounced woman in the in the Hebrew and Ish, the man, there was a a separating or, or, or a, if you will, an extraction of something that when they join together, we call it the, the marital bed and, and, they, and people think of it as the sexual act. But it's honestly, the Bible tells you in, I believe it's the book of First Corinthians 7, or it's in, it's in the, the Bible tells you that when the two joined together and you read it in Genesis 2, they became one. And so here's this male part and this female part, but when they joined together, they joined together, not just physically, but much more importantly, they joined together spiritually and became one. This is why the Bible tells us that promiscuity and having sex with all these different people can mess up your mind. Why? Because you're being one, you make, you're making, trying to be one spirit with somebody else. The, the physical act of of sexual intercourse is the is the um it is much deeper than that it is the it's the physical way of joining the spirits together if you will because because of the yielding because of the mutual submission and because of all of these other things, there is a connection that has now happened. That and it, this is where also the affection, the love th that you feel, the emotions, because this is now a spirit, soul, and body connection. First of all, they were maybe already feeling the attraction, so the body was doing what it was, and then the the, the emotions kind of got involved, and then finally the the physical culmination brought the spirits together as well. And so being joined with all these different ones, the Bible talks about you don't want to be joined with a harlot and you don't want to be joined with this. and You don't want to be joined because it is a joining together. It's a connection so that even when the physical act is over, you're still connected to that person. And here is the problem that we have in the body of Yeshua. I was uh, uh, tagged in a, in a post of, of one of my minister friends today. And it was something that talked about how women of God must, um, <laughs> frankly, stop chasing men. Okay. Now go to Proverbs 18 and let's look at that. I want, I want to put some scripture on here for you because I am, I can tell 
I have so much to say and I, I'm only going to say what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say. So I'm, I'm not going to give you any of my opinions, but we want to go to Proverbs 18. I thought I was there. Okay. You can tell me what page it's on if you want. And we're going to look at verse 22, which you should be familiar with. Okay. So chapter 18. And we're going to look at verse 22, which is a familiar uh, scripture for people. In the uh, message translation, it says, find a good spouse, you find a good life, and even more the favor of God. In uh, King James, it says, whoso who finds a wife finds a good uh, thing. I'm going to read the italics for this. And obtains favor of the Lord. He, uh, uh, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. Now in the world, a man is told that he hunts for a woman. Um, in today's society, he doesn't really have to do much because a lot of times women will uh, make themselves available. But the the concept of many men I've ever heard is that you hunt for a woman. And I guess women go fishing for a man. So, you know, you either way you look at it, you're looking at a predatory thing because you're either going to be hooked or you're going to be snared. You know, you're going to be uh, somebody gets you in their scope and they uh, identify you and say, that's the one I want. And they come after you. Well, that's predatory. And hooking somebody means you're ensnared. No matter what you look at, no matter how you slice it, that's the world's way. It is not the kingdom way. The Bible tells you that God brought the woman to the man and the man was awakened to the word. And then you read in the book of Ruth and you see that Boaz was awakened with the woman at his feet. That is not a, 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 a subservient position. It was a thing that said that I, uh, that, that you will be taking care of me. And, and so there was a, a beautiful story, love story that I don't have time to go into right now. And, and really I'm not even qualified to tell it that way, but, but I can see, what, what God was saying, he wasn't saying that that she was at, at his feet as, as somebody for him to walk over. He awakened to the fact that there she is right in front of you. You've awakened to the fact that God caused it through a series of events and through the love story that they had to bring this woman there. And even in the stories of the patriarchs, you see that the men or the servants were sent to go find the wife. Because that word find, when you look it up in the Hebrew, does not tell you or findeth, as it says in the King James. Um, it has nothing whatsoever to do with hunting. It actually is defined as the man that acquires, um, meets, encounters, learns about, finds out about, uh, comes upon, happens upon. They fall in with. It's a companion. It's it's a lot of times it really comes out of friendship to be encountered, to be lighted upon, to be discovered. Uh, but it doesn't say anywhere to be hunted for, to be put in the scope. And then you take aim and say, that's it. And so um, there is a tendency in the the whole idea of, of, of what they call Christian dating for a woman to make herself available. We know the ratio supposedly is that there are more single women than there are single men and this and that and the other. And I think that there's a lot of men that are running scared and don't even want to tell you that they're single because then they'll be hunted. And, and, and while it can be nice to be fed by so many women and so forth and so on, it was never the woman's job to go after him. 
And so there's a lot of things that are out of place. Now, I'm going to talk from Dr. Barry's book. What I've just introduced is already controversial and could make you upset. And I'm going to tell you something else because I'm going to go ahead and, and, and speak a little bit to marriage as well. And that is the fact that there are many that don't understand that the courtship and the friendship continues on. In fact, it gets to be even better. The world, what they do is they'll meet, meet up. Uh, online uh, through an app in a bar, however they do it, they'll go have sex. And and sometimes then they'll learn your last name or, or don't learn your last name, maybe even just learn your first name. I don't know. But the idea is you go out and they're supposed to have sex and then maybe they'll get to know each other better and decide. But the way God put it in the courtship, the courtship is the whole giving of gifts and, and learning of manners and speaking to each other and learning to become friends. And then what happens? The romance is introduced in that. The marriage takes place because he has declared his intention. So it's not, I'm seeing 10 women to try to figure out which one is right. No, he went back to his father and said, I've considered this one. And they do, they find out, is she available? And, and what is the price for her? And see, it's not buying a wife. It's saying, what is the value that her family has put upon her? What is the value that her father has put upon her? That that would that you son would be willing to pay the price because there's a price to be paid to be in relationship one with another jesus paid the ultimate price because to him we're worth blood we are worth blood to god and he said i will lay down my life for this bride that my father is presenting to me all of these things are supposed to mirror it is to mirror the courtship of the song of the bride and, and, and the song of the lover, you find that God says that the courtships, the relationships between men and women to lead to marriage are supposed to be, as, as Paul said, I'm speaking about Christ and the church. I'm talking about the greatest love story to be lived out. And we are supposed to treat each other accordingly. We're supposed to walk in the mirror image of that. And so there's a number of things that you look at in, in terms of our relationships, one with another. Let's go back. You've got to have the revelation that God loves you. You've got to have that because it's how we then are able to, to govern ourselves and to be able to treat each other well, to treat one another with compassion and to treat each other with understanding, not in the flesh. You've got to know, we've got to know one another by the spirit. I last night found there was so much ugliness still in me because I got impatient with my brother who is recovering from some things and I did not walk in. I, I was so upset over what I could see, not with him personally, but with the thing that was trying to come against him that I failed to love my brother properly. Why? Because when you minister deliverance, when you minister healing, when you minister anything, any truth to anybody, you better take in consideration that even if you're dealing with a spirit other than holy, there's still a human being involved there. So I, I went back to the Lord. I said, this is not acceptable. There's still something in me that is not you. There's something in my attitude. There's something in my thinking. It was too easy for me to go flesh in, 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 or to disregard flesh to the point that I was not caring. And we dealt with that last night because it was a discovery for me. My brother being very gracious had already accepted. He was like, there's no apology needed. I said, oh yeah, there was. Not because he needed it 
but because I was giving no place to the devil. And, and because it came from, no, I'm sorry, I did that. But oh my God, my God, did you see the ugliness in me? This is not you. I cannot give anybody else anything that's going to edify, exhort, or grow them up into the things of God if it comes from an earthly, sensual, and devilish standard. So I had to get that ugly out of me. Why? Because I'm intolerant of it. And I I listened ironically to myself from last week and I'm hearing those words and it's like, this is the truth. You're going to have to get rid of this. You cannot walk in ugliness and proclaim the word of the kingdom because it's not walking as Apostle Baker would say, it isn't walking in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So uh, without any further ado, let me come to this. Uh, so this is the first scripture. There was Proverbs 18, 22, and I'm sure I mentioned other things that the, um, minister will place on the comments. But I want to read out of this book, The Grace Factor. And there is a testimony that uh, the author gives in uh, along around page 75 and 76. And I think I'm going to go there. Um, I'll go there first. And then I'm going to come back to uh, an earlier page in the book within like the first few chapters. So on page 75, where we had read last week, and I'm going to pick up on some of that. So I'm in the middle of page 75, which says that religion, now here, start here. Man is innately religious. Most people have some kind of faith in God, but Satan takes that desire to experience God and perverts it into a form of godliness. He tricks man into believing that he can attain a relationship with God through his own human works. He recreates the image of God so that man sees God as one who does not allow for mistakes and punishes weakness and failure. Now, that's one way. Another way that people look at it is they see God as all indulgent because we talk the love, 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 ooey gooey love. And we falsely present rep, or represent God because he is love, but he is also always filled with integrity and he always does exactly what he says he's going to do. And his word is true. So when you try to put worldly expectations upon the holy god oh we're we're way out of line let's let's just make that very plain so here he says um satan is very deceptive blinding people's minds so that they have no understanding of the way god really feels about them his most powerful tools are guilt and shame Shame would draw, drive mankind in the wrong direction, away from the presence of Father. I want you to take note of that right there. Shame would drive mankind in the wrong direction, away from the presence of Father. All right. And so when you feel that you cannot look at him, shame may have some influence in you. Um, away from the presence, when, when you pull back from God, is what he's saying. This is the, the destructive power of shame. Rather than draw us to the place of healing, it drives us to run and hide from God and others. Unable to bear the guilt of our actions, we hunt for places of seclusion that result in a numbing sense of loneliness. And sometimes the, the loneliest place we can be is in the crowd. Sometimes we will seek people out. We will seek seclusion through alcohol or some type of drug we will seek it through mindless sex because we have if you've ever been raped if you've ever been demeaned by any then you want might want you might be running in shame by trying to get, make yourself one that doesn't care about yourself anymore so you'll let anybody have access to your body you'll let anybody do anything they want to do to you because you feel 
that that's what you deserve. That's the victim's mentality that that always runs uh, as a companion with shame. Or you will you'll go by your feelings in whatever way you can numb yourself from emotion, from feeling of any kind, because shame has driven you away from God. You feel so dirty, so um unclean, so unnecessary. The last thing on the planet you're going to do is try to run to God based upon deception, based upon how you see yourself. And I'm, I'm talking about a specific type of woman, but it is also a man. It is a person that runs after the relationship, 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 because the thought either, there's so many reasons, but one of has just to do, I can't be alone. I, I, I've been rejected so much. I, I just, I have to, even somebody that treats me bad is better than not being with anybody at all or somebody that looks better than anything I've ever had. So if I can get with that person, I'll be able to prove to the one that threw me away, rejected me, uh, ridiculed me, shamed me, whatever it happened to be, devalued me, demeaned me, defiled me. I'll be able to show them that I'm worth something because I'm going to get something that's uh, slightly unattainable or appears to be on a higher level. And the only way that that usually happens is that you have just keyed into that person's brokenness and you're not coming in through the door of relationship introduction through the father. You're using your body. You're using your car, your money. I'm talking male and female here because this is a, a spirit of harlotry that we're talking about. You'll use whatever it takes to get something that makes you look good. You don't even want the person. And sometimes the person doesn't want you, but they'll let you in because you found their wound and you validate their hurts because you're preying on each other. That's what a predator does. That's what the hunt is. It isn't hunting and looking for your rightful mate. That's not what you're doing when you go on a hunt to hook somebody or to put them in your sights, you know, predatory. What you're doing is you're looking for the weakness of the person. You're looking for the part of them that is fleshly, that is needy, that you can get in with and that you yourself will be able to exploit because you're using each other. You are not loving each other. And this is something that has gone on in the body of Christ. This is why people like to post their sexy pictures and post them on other people's pages. This is why if you go hunting on their pages, hunting on their pages, you will see what you want to see that you have no business looking for. So I'm hitting you right in the I'm not hitting you personally, but I'm hitting this thing hard because some of us, many of us don't even we're not aware of it because culturally speaking, we're not that bad. Hey, it's not really a bad picture. And yeah, I got a little more showing or I got a little, I'm showing my, I, I've had guys send me pictures, uh, postings of them with their shirts off because that's you, because they've got really, I guess, great muscles or something. And that's supposed to do something for me. It does. It makes me delete the picture and it makes me block the person. Why? If it, and it, it because you're trying to assault me with your nakedness. I don't know you. I, I had a, a uh, person not a couple weeks ago, he was a bit of a stalker and um, he's met trying to message me. He's supposed to be one of my Facebook friends at two something in the morning. You don't contact me at two something in the morning and I don't know you. Um, this is not acceptable to me. I'm not available to you. I know what the two o'clock hour is supposed to be, but I'm not your girl ever. And I did not respond to it other than to block and delete 
because it and warn my friends. This is not a friend of mine. This is not somebody that I know. He probably possibly came in under a false thing or when I surveyed, it looked like, okay, you look like we're, we're acquainted with some of the same people. But, you know, the thing, and then I told some of my, I told my apostles and I told my brothers in the Lord. Why? Because I want y'all to cover me and it, it, it just back me up in prayer. That's all I need. I'm, I, I, and I taught, uh, you know, found out a few other things that are just necessary to do. Why? Because you're not going to hunt me. Because I do know that God loves me because I'm not going to post those pictures on anybody else's page. But most of all, because I've been that woman. I've been that woman that hunts for a man. I've been that woman that has been so wounded and so hurt that she wanted to be validated and just thought if I can just get somebody that looks like quality, if I can just be with somebody that has something to show for himself, then I can show all the other men that rejected me that I'm still worth having. I was going for what God offers, but I was running from God to get it. I was running to the world, running to that way. There's no condemnation here. There is no fault finding with you here. This is an expose. This is exposing a spirit that wants to hold you, anchor you to the ways of the world and, and rob you of ever receiving the love that is already available for you and to try to keep you from ever knowing the the wholesome relationship because all of this stuff, this predatory hunting, what is it really? Prostitution. It is getting you to sell yourself to the highest bidder, not understanding that the price that has been paid for you is in blood and it's the highest price that could ever be paid for you. And so you want to, you're trying to heat, the darkness wants to dupe you into diminishing your value. Let me keep reading. And you'll see some of what it's connected in here. He says, um, unable to bear the guilt of our actions, we hunt for places of seclusion that result in a numbing sense of loneliness because you know these people don't want you. They may take your body. They may take your money. They may ride in your car. They may let you buy stuff. They may let you use them uh, for, for, for your own sexual gratification. They may do all of those things and even be your girlfriend or boyfriend but you know they don't want you. You have to keep doing things. You have to keep finding ways to, to stay in their face. And you know, at the end, they're going to throw you away. They'll throw you away. You know why? Because you came in treating yourself as trash and ultimately, eventually, trash gets thrown away. You're not trash but you believe that you are and you treat yourself as such and you therefore give others permission to do the same. You're bitter, you're wounded, you're hurting and God himself is your answer. Okay, let's keep going. See, Satan uses our experiences to convince us that life can never be lived at a higher level. He said, for years I preached and lived a distorted view of the gospel. It's also a distorted view of ourselves, thinking this is just how it is, hard and almost impossible. And maybe your words are, this is just how it is. I'm just always going to be alone. Or if I ever want somebody, I better get out there and do something about it. You see, he said, I knew that Jesus was the son of God, but I could not seem to connect this truth with my actions. Temptation challenged my weaknesses as guilt nagged at my conscience. There, right there. Temptation challenged my weaknesses mm -hmm. as guilt 
nagged at my conscience. There's that shame. There's that guilt. There's that thought. I'm not measuring up. There's the judgments of the demonic that you believe to be truth based on wrong information from the first. You were told that this is what you've got to do or you were raped and you felt so dirty. You thought, well, nobody ever, it doesn't matter. I'm not pure anyway. And so therefore I may as well uh, just let anybody and everybody have at me. That's kind of sort of what my story was like. I said that the result uh, he said, temptation challenged my weaknesses as guilt nagged at my co conscience. And for him, he said, the result was an inward pressing against my insights, which produced a depressing, striving, rules-oriented Christian lifestyle. I had created a dark recipe, mixing the spirit of religion with the glorious message of Jesus Christ. You may be mixing the spirit of harlotry. You may be uh, mixing the spirit of depression or a wounded spirit or an orphan, uh, as they say, an orphan spirit, feeling like you're all alone out there, but you're mixing something with the zeros of, of darkness. That's what you're doing to live a life that makes you miserable. You're prostituting yourself when you don't have to. You're putting yourself on pages where you don't need to be. You're trying to put yourself in front of somebody or flashing your car or flashing your whatever you're flashing um, to somebody to get them to see you as, as desirable because you don't understand that you're already desirable to God and you can be born again. Cause I don't, I don't know that very many um, unsaved people will listen, but I'm talking to the born again, women of God and the born again, men of God. And, and just to let you know, to cut both ways, um, I once knew a man, my brother and I kind of mentioned him before we went to church with him. This man wanted a woman so badly. He was so desperate to be married, but he was also very picky. And he's just like, she has to look a certain way. So he had to have a woman that had a certain beauty, a certain this, a certain that. And he himself was not the most attractive little, little, little kitten you ever saw. But but nevertheless, he he would get money. He would get things so that he could buy. He was trying to buy the relationship. And every single time he met a woman, this, this really did happen. And unfortunately, we didn't know about love and we didn't treat the man right. He would buy a, an engagement ring for all of these different women, just knowing she was the one. Was he treated with contempt by the men to a certain extent? Yes, he was. He was kind of mocked and he was kind of scorned because we were all very carnal, new kind of Christians coming into the, the teachings that we were, but still acting like the world. And you treat a person such as that as an object of ridicule. So I have seen men desperate for women, for, desperate for relationships, desperate to be loved. And, and the same, that's why I've said when somebody tells me I want to be, I want to be married. And the first thing they say is because I'm looking for somebody to love me. I know you're not ready because you did not say God has filled me with love that I, I'm, I'm ready to release it to the one that he's, who's loved. He's given me love for someone. And when he brings that someone, I get to release that love, you see. But that's not typically how we go. This is the one. And this is this. And this is this. And this is this. And they don't fit your calling. They don't match where you're called, they are not going to be able to be commissioned with you to go someplace or you are not going to fit the calling of that particular person because they don't see you as God said. They, they don't they don't see you. They may see you out of their weakness. There's a lot of wounded men of God, as well as women of God, who look strong and look mighty and look powerful and talk the right talk and pray the prayers and, and can can do all the stuff. Because we all can function on a different level 
from where we are. Uh, we're still bottom feeding, but we can look like we've got it all together. But you know what? Your conversation and your responses, the childishness, the jealousies, the, the judgments, the, 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 the fact that you don't get along with anybody, <laughs> those are all very key indicators. If other women, if other women find, find this woman that you like, sir, all that, they don't, they, they say something's not right. You better pay attention. And woman, if that man is saying, your friends are saying, no, baby girl, something about that brother there, it's just not, it's not gelling. You need to listen. But if you have got your bodily parts, your sensories all caught up in the idea of the, the sexual, the idea of the money, the idea of the status, if you've got that going, then you cannot hear and it's time for you to listen. It's time to hear because the spirit of the Lord is calling you out of darkness and calling you out of the bondages that this world has. Um, the other, I'm going to leave this part here um, because what he said, it's a dark recipe mixing the spirit, a spirit of darkness um, we're trying to mix it with the message of Christ. Well, God said I was going to be married. Well, God said this and God said, that, but you're mixing dark with dark because you don't have the true message of Jesus Christ. You have the knowledge that he is saving. You know these things on that intellectual or even a, a, to a certain degree, a spiritual level, but you have not submitted to the true message of the gospel, that God himself is your provider, that God himself loves you with an everlasting love. And before anything else happens, he wants you whole. He wants to, to have place in you. And, and, and you know, <laughs> wow, there's a lot more to say. And I, I guess I really do have to engage in the dialogue with, with other women of God and probably some men of God to be able to say this because see, there really is no condemnation. I want to tell you, Oh, see, I, I really did. I was, I was raped a couple of different times. I was, I was raped as a child and then I was raped I, and I encountered date rape. So for me, it was the, it was the whole thing of these men that were supposed to be so great. And, and we played around, but then I said, no, and see, no means no. Somebody, well, you shouldn't have teased them. No, no means no, no means no. And when you're dealing with adults, it also means stop. But I wasn't dealing with adults. I was dealing with predators. I was dealing with men that were used to gratifying themselves who did not accept no for an answer. And so they took what they wanted. Some would think, oh, that was my fault, meaning me, because I put myself in the situation. Well, you think whatever you want to think. I really don't care. Here's what I know. No means no. When you're hurt, when you're wounded, you will put yourself in places that uh, it can lead to things that you really do not want. But I'm going to tell you this, Jesus does not condemn you and neither do I. There is no shame. There is none of that that you need. And I'm going to talk about the, the this is the, a defilement of you. Rape is not in your control. It's somebody else exerting control and taking something from you. And men can be raped too. There are men that have told me they ended up having sex with a woman. They did not want to have sex with that woman, but the situation got out of hand. She wouldn't keep her control. She wouldn't keep her hands to herself. And, and he reached that point. 
and they did not want to do it. And they felt like trash afterwards. You see, it happens on both sides or a man who feels shame because he walks with God. And then he looks at a woman and he looks at her and he thinks things that he shouldn't be thinking. He even may have a wife at home and he's thinking what he shouldn't. And, um, or maybe he once upon a time pornography and that little demon decided that it, this was a good time to revisit and see if there was any availability in your house to come in and, and, and to be with you again. See, it's all kinds of stuff. And this is why we, uh, um, I like the way uh, one of my friends put it, tell the truth and shame the devil. You're going to have to let it be known to, to somebody that's trustworthy. And I know some ministers are not. I know some ministers will treat you like a pariah. I know that there are some people that will look at you like you need to be ashamed of yourself and you should have known better and all of that. Well, then they're speaking from what? Can you guess? You probably hit a nerve. You possibly just hit, came too close to something that they may have never really addressed. Mm -hmm. I don't know because it's a different answer with different people. But I do know that wounds and rejection and pain and hurts and sorrows will have you chasing after everything but God. You're trying to find God in somebody or you're trying to find somebody because you don't because you can't hear God or or, or you're just lonely and, and God is taking too long. I've been single for X amount of years and nobody even ever even offers. All I get are those weird st uh, stalker kind of uh, troll guys and, and nobody else, um, you know. It's not actually true, but it looks like it to you. Here's what Dr. Cook says in this book. Um, I'm going to come out of, I think, page 12 or 8. No. All right. This is page 14. And here's what it says. You don't have any reason not to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because he has already made provision for you in every area of your life. You are a masterpiece. Not only are you a saint, but you are also a divine masterpiece. In Ephesians 2.10, which is one of my favorite scriptures, I love the scripture, so I'm going to go to it in my Bible, and I, I suggest you do the same. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse, uh, we're going to just go ahead and look at verse 10, because I'm in the interest of time, I guess. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that tell me? It tells me that aligning with Jeremiah 29 in verse uh, 10, 11, 12, thereabouts, God said, I know what I'm doing. I know the plans. I know the blueprint that I made for you. And it's plans to give you a future and a hope, not to hurt you, not to harm you to give you an expected end, the end that I expect, a very good end for you. And um, so here you're his workmanship. This is why what he said to Jeremiah through Jeremiah makes so much sense because I created you. You're my workmanship. You're my work of art. You're, you're my cherished person. I love you so much. I know you've been defiled. I know you've been raped or you've given yourself away to others. I know that you've chased after men or women or alcohol or, or an escape. I know all these things about you. But it never stops me from seeing you and it doesn't stop me from loving you. Remember the woman that was pulled out of the bed? We talked about it last week, I think. And they brought her naked before Jesus. You know, the Bible also talks about how Jesus was tempted in many things. You know, he was a man and he was a man that was assaulted by eyes by a naked woman. And he immediately, he didn't keep staring at her. 
he looked down to the ground and he started to write. He no longer had eyes on that woman. Do you understand that Jesus resisted the temptation? And in so doing, he gave that woman value. And his disciples, I do know, I'm sure, covered her. Because when he stood to look at her again, she was covered. And she was covered by love and she was covered by compassion. Uh, this is a woman that was not married to the man that she had sex with. The man was gone or was having sex with, but she was pulled out and, and dragged into the streets as a common harlot, a whore. They had names for her. They degraded her. They were mocking her. They were doing all of these things that you may be feeling because this is what the tormenting demons do. But he did not condemn her. He said, women, where are the ones that accused you? Where are they? Is there no one left? And she said, there is no one, left, Lord. And the Lord said to her, neither do I condemn you. I didn't come to condemn you. I came to save you. He didn't come to hate you. He came to love you. He came to deliver you. You are a masterpiece. This is what it is in this particular book that I'm reading, right? You are a masterpiece. This is my workmanship. That's Ephesians 2.10. It's written in this book, but it's written in the book. It's written by the Holy Spirit. He says you were created in Christ Jesus, in Christ unto good works. So the, and, and the one you were created in does not condemn you. He says, what does it mean? It means that God will work it out. God will take the sketch of sin and sadness that has been your life and he will turn it into a portrait of purity and power. The reasons you might not experience the spiritual reality is that no one ever told you. You're still living under the same illusion that it all depends on you. You don't have a revelation of the grace factor. Oh my God. He said, you haven't come to the realization that you're never going to be good enough to get there. You're never going to do enough things right to get there. You haven't come to the realization that God's got you in his hand and he will never let it go. I want to extend the grace of God to you tonight. This is a conversation we're going to have because we're going to expose this and we're going to see to it that as many women of God and men of God, they will come into the freedom, the deliverance, and that the young people, our sons and our daughters, the teens, and even the elementary children, because the world is so uh, is 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 listening to the voice of a fallen spirit. But we are going to tell you that there is a price that has been paid for you, and there is a blood, there is a cleansing, there is a savior, there is a champion, there is a deliverer, there is a king, a royal king that will not defile you, misuse you, or abuse you. He sees what you've been through. He has heard your cry and he is answering you. Baby girl, baby boy, you do not have to demean yourself this way. And what you're chasing after is not for you. What you keep putting yourself in front of is not yours. And you're cheapening what I have died for. And you don't have to do that anymore. I have something of the caliber that will lift you up, raise you up out of the gutter, raise you up out of the darkened places where you think you belong. And you don't. I don't care if you've been raped, sexually molested as a child. I don't care if people told you that you're nothing but a cheap hoe, male or female. I don't care what they say. And I don't care if it was a preacher that said it. Here's a preacher that's telling you if they ever told you that they lied to you. Because God doesn't say it about you. 
And it is time for you to allow him to cleanse you and bring you out of places that you're not even happy about. Don't put your hope, don't put your trust in what a man or a woman can do for you. The Lord wants you to answer his call. He wants to make you whole. He wants to wash you. He wants to wash your mind. He wants to wash the wounds that you carry. He wants to let you know that he knows your history. He knows everything you've ever experienced. He knows every word. He knows every dark and ugly place you've ever been that you don't even want to remember. And he does not look upon you in scorn. He looks at you with love and says, I do not condemn you. I want you whole. And I think I'm going to just end it there tonight. It's a relationship with us, you see, that God himself wants to have. You come into his presence as ugly as you feel, as dirty and unwanted, rejected as you feel. If you've managed to sit through this, what I've said, without turning away, then stay for the kill of the thing that has come against you. The Lord loves you. Some of you, you go to church, but you're not yet born from above. You've never received the fullness of, of, of the salvation that you have. You've never received. You've prayed a prayer and you said, Jesus is now uh, a savior, but you don't know him as the owner, the Lord. Why don't you take the whole thing that he offers? You really are royalty. You really are worth it. You really are God's masterpiece. And tonight, I'm one of the many women of God. There are men of God too, sons of God, let's just say it that way, that is sitting here to tell you so. And I have been there. I really have, but I'm not there anymore. And as of today, you won't be either. So I release the love of God into your life. Reach out to us, please. I can't pray for every one of you, and yet I do. I can't lay hands on every one of you, but put your hand up against the screen and put your hand next to mine, and I am laying hands on you. I know it seems silly, but it's okay. Do it anyway. And receive the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Receive the acceptance of God the Father. Receive the acceptance of the Holy Spirit. And I release the love of God into you. Let it radiate into you. That it breaks down the walls and the barriers and the prisons of your mind, of every gate, every opening to you. That you're purified tonight by the words of God's love for you, washed by his blood, and will come into a new mind and a new understanding that the woman or the man that you look at in the mirror, you don't have to be ashamed to look them in the eyes anymore. Some of you, you've looked at your eyes to put your makeup on, but you haven't looked in your eyes. You receive this prayer tonight, and you will look in your eyes, and you will see how beautiful you are to the Father. And your brokenness, your brokenness will not stay that way. For the Lord God Almighty, when he comes in, he fixes everything. 
overnight? No. But he does it. And so I release that into you. In the name of Jesus, I call you out of darkness. And I release his life and his light into you. Amen. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. I say to you, it is permissible for you to receive the love of God. That is a 365 day per year plus one love that you can have. You don't have to limit it to a day in February or any other holiday, but it's something that is available to you now. It's going to be sweeter than candy, more intoxicating than any wine or champagne. And it lasts for a lifetime and beyond. It's eternal. My name is Lindsay Lee. I'm the pastor of Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship. You've joined us for Wednesday night Bible study. My people, y'all know what to do. Please reach out. Let me pray for you, talk to you, help you. And stay tuned. We'll have more of these type of conversations because we're going to continue to talk about Kingdom 101 relationships. It's elementary kingdom life. Thank you so much for joining us. I love you astoundingly. And I'm going to say good night. Hallelujah.